When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everyone, welcome back to the Cup Eye Podcast. I don't think you've seen that intro, have you, Farrell? No, no, no. It's almost like I had my uh, volume up to 90, so I just had to, like, you know, quickly let down <laughs> on the, the Oh, it was just surprise and the loudness. That's all it was. Oh, that's all right then. Uh, yeah, no, it's cracking, to be fair. It's looking very good. Yeah, Jay's done a splendid job on it, splendid. Uh, but yeah, we're here to talk about, well, we're going to just talk about Napoli, but obviously, in the last couple of minutes, the Premier League matches have been postpone for um for this weekend but yeah before we get into that i'm mick and i'm joined by farrell let's do the the proper stuff first farrell how are you doing oh i'm very good mate very good mate i have as i was saying before we started the pod i'm, I'm feeling some mentally mostly recovered um from the napoli game but it's uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what's happening with all these sort of postponed games isn't it yeah because you saw you saw you said you saw the tweet just before we started about um the, the following week as well uh, from Richard Buxton, was it? So that's so that yeah. this is definitely postponed, isn't it? And then the next week is probably discretionary, isn't it? Yeah, it's discretionary. So absolutely, as you're right. Um, this this weekend, as we know, Wolves will be postponed, uh, and then depending on when the Queen's funeral is set to take place, uh, I think I think Richard Buxton tweeted uh, this early this this late morning that if it is on the Monday, as some expect, it will then be up to the Premier League's discretion to choose whether to postpone the next round uh, of Premier League fixtures, so for Liverpool, uh, Chelsea away. Um, I, th- I think you know, there's probably a relatively strong possibility that that mem might occur, um, which then raises all sorts of questions, uh, given that we've got the obviously the World Cup in Qatar and where, where, the, where are these fixtures going to go? Yeah, it's. I mean, it was already condensed, wasn't it? Because of, like you said, the World Cup, and now it's going to be, well... I mean, if if they cancel the, the Wolves game's postponed, that then means probably the Chelsea game next Sunday is postponed, and then obviously we've just been talking about as well before we started recording about the Ajax game, which is on Tuesday, um, which I mean could go ahead, I suppose, because obviously it's a separate entity, the Champions League, so that might go ahead, mightn't it? I I, I reckon it will. It, again, it's, it's one of those sort of murky areas. Um, I think you could. You could say, well, it's up to Liverpool's a Premier League club, their discretion in terms of wanting to play the fixture, but then equally, um, Ajax have an investment in, in, in playing in playing the fixture themselves. It's it, it's ultimately a, a a political, it's a localized issue within the UK, 
um, to the question I suppose would raise in terms of fairness and the impact then potentially on Ajax with their domestic fixtures. You know, it's it, it's murky. I, I think I'd, I'd expect it to go ahead um, unless the club have have an agreement in place already uh, with Ajax about delaying the fixture. But I'd, I'd be surprised to be honest to see it not go ahead. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's um, it's going to be like we said tricky to get all these games um, sorted. Um, and I know it's like it's probably the right thing to do to not go ahead with them this weekend, I suppose, because I think it was. I think it started with like other sports were starting to postpone theirs, and then obviously the meeting at eleven o'clock. You kind of got the feeling that it was going to be postponed because most of the teams. I mean, some of the teams might not want, might not have wanted to, but um, I imagine most of them did. And then hopefully, well, hopefully next week we'll be ready to go again. But. I just thought, obviously, the, the thumbnail of on the title of this video, main title, is the, is the Napoli game, and I think this is going to be might be one of the very few games we get to talk about in the um, coming weeks. And it what it wasn't good, was it, Farrell? It wasn't good at all. No, far from good. But you know, not even just not good, just completely and utterly fell short of any sort of expectations. That's without considering the drop off that we've seen from the season last where we were two games away from winning a historic quadruple. This just wasn't even vaguely hitting the normal standards we've come to expect from a Klopp uh, team. You know, I think lots of comments and lines were rightly saying that Liverpool were Liverpooled by Napoli almost. You know, you, you would have been, I think, you know, if you'd have been just watching without the colours, you'd have almost assumed that, you know, that, that's Liverpool. And ultimately, it very much wasn't. Liverpool didn't look vaguely Liverpool until... Tiago sort of came in in the second half for a, a, a brief cameo. So I, I think, yeah, I, a lot of backsides uh, are going to be kicked, as, as Danny Murphy sort of put it um, uh, the other day. Um, I think, you know, Klopp, there was the sort of a hint of sort of like fury, uh, any sort of post-presser sort of comments, and, you know, rightly so, I think. I, I think there's an element of we, we do need to sort of take into account sort of mental, emotional, physical sort of burnout from the prior season. I, I don't think it's as simple as some some are saying that the players simply don't care anymore or there's a total lack of effort. There is an explanation there. There's a lot of explanations there, you know, beyond merely the case that we're missing a lot of sort of key men, including previously Tiago Alcantara, amongst our larger sort of injury crisis. Um, so I think Copper wants to be going back to the training ground. I think, you know, Wolves has been delayed already. We could already potentially see Chelsea delayed. It's... Um, the silver lining is it then gives Klopp a lot more time to work with his, his players to to welcome back key men to the squad and sort of figure out a way forward. He talked about reinventing uh, the side and obviously we've already seen a major sort of transition in terms of the forward line with Darwin Nunez coming in to replace uh, Sadio Mane. I haven't seen a number nine uh, like that for, for quite some time. So I think we already knew a transition of sorts was going to take place this season. But I think particularly in light of that result, you know, that could be another Tottenham for us in terms of transforming how we approach the rest of the season. Yeah, and it's it's one of them, like, you'd like to say it was surprising, but I think from the start of the game, it, it just it was just sign of things to come. Like, I think it was the first 40 seconds, easy ball over the top, uh, Osserman, Absolutely rapid, gets on the end of it, rounds Allison, hits the post. So the first, I think it was, I'm sure it was 45 seconds that was. And you look at the clock thinking, how have they managed to do that in the first? Imagine that went in. I mean, I know they don't then go on to score four minutes later, but that just set the tone for what the game 
was going to become, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I mean we've, had, we've said this so many times already this season. How many times has Liverpool been the first team to go behind? Liverpool shouldn't be, at least the modern Liverpool that we've come to enjoy recently during the Jurgen Klopp era, Liverpool shouldn't be the first team conceding. And they shouldn't be the first team conceding on a regular basis, week after week after week. It just shouldn't be the case. It was far too easy. Far too easy. To, I think it, it has to be said because we're at risk of sort of... Um, underappreciating the quality of Napoli's performance. But Liverpool made it so easy for them on the day. You know, the midfield was, again, practically, for all intents and purposes, non-existent. You know, I think Carragher sort of rightly analysed this on CBS after the game. And he just said, you know, all Napoli had to do was play, as you've rightly pointed out, play a ball over top, play a ball through. You're going to, you know, if you're coming up against Liverpool right now, you know the midfield's not going to be a problem. You know the back line's going to be a problem. So you're thinking, right, the midfield's going to offer no support whatsoever. So you're then working with Liverpool's high line. Um, and then the question becomes, as, as, as Carragher put it, you know, are we going to stick rigidly to that high line or not not abandon it, but take a couple of yards back, you know, sort of an, an, anticipate the sort of, these sort of tricky balls that we're getting over top and, and the comparative lack of cover that we're seeing from the midfield in recent times. Again, the, it's it's one of those you can see improving um, once we have Targa and Kantara back on a, on a more sort of regular basis and you can play upwards of, of, of 60 minutes in a game. But Liverpool can't have a situation where we're entirely reliant on one player for a, for a, a department, let alone a position, to He's function. As well. Yeah. That's that. that, that like, relying on him is, is fine, but relying on someone who's also not available enough, that burden <laughs> is the problem because you can't, I mean, you shouldn't be relying on one player anyway, but the fact that you're relying on someone who, like Thiago, who is so good and is someone that you can rely on when he's there, but when he's not available enough. And when I was watching it, I don't know about you, but I was just thinking, you know, when we beat Roma 5-2 in 2018 and we were literally just playing a ball over the top and we were in and we had like, it felt like we had like 30 shots, but we only scored five. It was 5-2 that game. But that's what it felt like to me. It felt like we was just literally ball over the top. Yeah, go on, use your, use your pacey striker. We're not at the races. The midfield isn't there. And just go and score as many as you can. And that was kind of like the, the whole tempo of the whole game, wasn't it? Oh, no, absolutely. I think it, it could have easily, easily been, been closer to a cricket score. I think the scoreline very much flattered us um, with, with the Diaz getting sort of the, the consolation goal early in the second half. You know, that easily could have been six or seven goals. It, it had been sort of that more lethal. You know, even, you know, they had the second penalty, of course, which uh, was a brilliant save by Alisson. But, you know, realistically, the game should have ended 5-1. Um, you know, we, we got we got lucky there. But, you know, the reality is that Liverpool were absolutely humbled um, in, in Italy. And, you know, it's not a fantastic record that we've got generally. Um, I, th- I think, like, you know, the last two times we went to, to Naples... Uh, we, we lost both games by 2-0, 1-0. I think Jamie Carragher's team, uh, back when Roy Hodgson was the manager, was the last Liverpool team to get a result. And by a result, yeah. I mean a, a goalless draw yeah. in Naples with that Liverpool team, um, which we all remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ivanovic uh, yeah. Yeah, and Go, I think, was was, was playing. Yeah, Paulson. Um, Paulson uh, we, who, who else did we Chesky. Of course, yeah. Just remember, God, bloody hell, Konchesky. Um Yeah, not not Pepe Reina. That was one of the decent ones. Um, not not the greatest team, but even they managed to get a result there. But it, it's 
it, it's a difficult one because evidently I think um, Liverpool need a radical solution. And I'm sure we'll get into that, but I think Liverpool can't... If we, if we know that we can't rely on, on Thiago at the moment for a full 60, 70, 80, 90 minutes, Liverpool either need to you know do something radical, play Artemelo more often, which I know is a gamble in itself because his match fitness just simply isn't there. But if you're looking for someone that offers close to what Thiago offers without directly offering it, it's going to be Artemelo. We're talking he's probably our second most technical, technically gifted sort of midfielder. Um, I, I'd put him ahead of, of Nabi Kaita in that regard. Um, that may be controversial. Uh, I, I don't think so personally, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I, again, it, it's a gamble. And if you're not prepared to do that, as I think you can understand Klopp not being prepared to do that, then the wider change, perhaps a formation change, needs to be considered. We saw the 4-2-3-1 uh, tested out against Everton in the second half. Liverpool looked infinitely better. Uh, like it seems to get far more um, out of uh, Darwin Nunez before he was brought off. Firmino was fantastic in that little hall, um, just just ahead of the, the double pivot, you know, sort of orchestrating things. I think we, I'd be very, very surprised to see Klopp stick with a 4-3-3 in our next game, be it at, um, be it, be it at Anfield playing as Ajax or uh, Chelsea, if that game is still due to go ahead. Yeah. I think it's. I think it was quite telling that his post-match presser. He was. He was absolutely looked dejected. He just. He was like. He didn't see any counter pressing until Thiago came on. No one was tackling. The space weren't closed. The high line works, but it only works if the midfielder pressing. And it's all the things that it's good that he's saying these things because he's not blinded by what he's seeing. He's not. He's not. He's not stupid anyway. We know that. Obviously, he's a genius. But he's he's saying the things that we can all see, and I think that's a good thing. And it might be like a, I mean, I've been wanting it for a while, but like a reset in terms of what would what we're doing going forward. I think that we I think we need that. Um, like you rightly said, Farrell. But I just want to go through these comments. We've had a few uh, in the chat. Uh, Doug is in. Nice one, Doug. Good, he's put good afternoon, gents. Um, Paul is in as well. Afternoon, Paul. Uh, and then Doug's put. Uh, only Louis Diaz, Allison, and Harvey Elliott can all hold their heads high, and the rest need to hang their heads in shame. Poor performance, and I feel for Fabinho, who was exposed in midfield. Uh, he goes on to say, Joe Gomez reminded me a day and Lovren at Spurs in seventeen eighteen. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, Aiden's in. Afternoon, Aiden. Nice one for jumping in. Uh, Aiden's, I think he's agreeing with um, Doug as well, saying Allison Elliott and Diaz, maybe Bolly, Bobby, and that's it, who have showed anything um, this season. And then he goes on to say, with the game concert tomorrow, a little bit of time to work things through. Four, two, three, one for me. Need to change it. And I think that's kind of been, I mean, the narrative on Twitter isn't something you can hang your hat on in terms of what people are thinking. But I think it's a good idea. And I think it's something that, like you mentioned, Klopp's done before. He's done it in the Everton game briefly. Uh, with I think Elliot, I think it was Elliot and Fabinho was a two, wasn't it? But when Carl Valio went off and it seemed to, we seem to have a little bit more creativity. I think obviously it needs work, and I think obviously with the postponement of of games, I think usually under a, in a any time under Klopp, we thrive on playing every three days, every three days, every four days. We get that rhythm, but I think this might be a good time to kind of get back on the training field and get these type of um, systems in place. I'm, I mean. I, th- I think we might have done it earlier in the season and m- maybe we should have done it in pre-season in hindsight, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. You can say we should have done this, we should have done that, but it might be a good time to maybe, like you said, kind of flush out those ideas and see what we can do in terms of going forward. Like you said, Mello, 
Melo and Thiago, Melo and Fabinho. Um, I mean, Henderson and Fabinho. Henderson, when Henderson's back, I think all these players can play a six. I think if you play them as double civet, double pivot six, then it, I think it would work going forward, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, th- I think we're in a position, you know, now, I think we're looking at sort of the options that we have available. You know, Jota's back in the squad. Nunez is obviously back from suspension. Um, Firmino is, is is playing well when he's used properly and he's not sort of playing sort of too deeply to the point that he's almost a defensive midfielder rather than that sort of number nine. Can I just ask you a quick question on Bobby? I didn't think he was very good against Napoli, only because I think he was way too deep. He was, he was. I mean, that is the Bobby thing. He'll drop deep, but he was dropping into positions, and then the ball was bouncing off him, and we'd lose it, and they'd attack. And I think that's something that he's not. He's usually really good at it consistently, but I think sometimes this season he's been really good at it, and there's times where he's not been very good. And I think that this game was a time where. He wasn't showing the correct um, touch in areas where we need that ball to stick, especially when you're not playing well. You need the ball to stick and you need the ball to then be pushed onto Nunes, pushed onto um, Diaz or whoever's in the team to get us forward and not be losing the ball in soft positions, which I think that kind of helped their cause a lot by us doing that, I think. No, absolutely. Again, I'd equate it to his performance at Old Trafford. You know, where he was playing so deep and then it wasn't helping that the midfield was was virtually sort of non-existent. There's an image going around, I think we put it on Empire of the Cop, uh, where you can literally see uh, United's three right in the middle of the park and there's just this massive gap uh, front and back uh, around them. So much time to think and to roam and you're thinking, is the Premier League? You know, we're, we're, you basically don't have a second to think. <laughs> I, think <laughs> I think on those um, average positions, I think Milner was actually a f- in front of Bobby. Yeah. Which is just like, I mean, crazy. No, so Fabinho is likewise. If you look at his heat map, he's all over. He's all over the shop, and you're thinking Fabinho realistically should be thriving right down sort of the middle of the park. Um, so again, I think I'd agree with Doug's point. Absolutely exposed. Um, but in relation to Bobby, I think the problem as well as you've got with the forward line is is Salah's seems to be playing a bit wider this year, this year as well, and you wonder. What impact is that then having on a Bobby Firmino when he's asked to sort of play ahead of Diego Jota or or a, a Nunez? And you know, you know, being so wide does that sort of harm his game, that interconnectivity? Um, but then you look at the numbers. You look at the numbers. Sort of Salah specifically is posting as a creator. And he's leading, um, isn't he? The chances chart ahead of yeah. the likes of De Bruyne and, and and you know the other top sort of creators generally in the Premier League. So you get the impression that the underlying numbers are there. The, the, the lack of certain personnel is harming Liverpool. Certainly, if you look at sort of how Nunez was playing prior to his suspension, you'd almost argue that that sort of, uh, those creative sort of numbers from Salah would, it would have result, resulted sort of far better for Liverpool had they had the personnel there they had in mind from the start of the season. As you said, we can look back to pre-season and go, well, Klopp should have anticipated this and started already trying out the 4-2-3-1. But it's like, well, you can't play on the basis that you're going to have an injury crisis where eight players are out. It's insane. You can't. It's simple as that. Like We have to react to the information that we've got in front of us now. And the reality is we don't have certain personnel for certain positions. Thiago's just coming back. We can't play him week in, week out and risk another serious injury. So what do we do on that basis? Well, evidently, I think the 4-2-3 
doesn't need to be binned, but does need to be adapted uh, or, you know, at least put to a side for one moment so that we can address um, the elephant in the room, which is, of course, mainly the midfield. I think, you know, defensively, I'd, I'd imagine Cop will probably be inclined to put in Joel Matip. I think in general, Gomez hasn't been horrific, though he was a bit poor, of course, at, at Napoli. Um, so I think yeah, the, the midfield is the one area that we really need to consider. And we know right now that we've got a multiplicity of forward options. Jota's back. Nunez is back. We've got Firmino. We've got Salah. We have Diaz. We have the options there to sort of compensate for a lack of midfielders. If we say if we do want to play that 4-3-1 and put Fabinho and Elliot or someone else there in a double, double pivot, stick Firmino in the hole, Diaz and Salah as, as your wide men and Nunez there as the, the lone striker. I think it makes the most sense for Liverpool um, at the moment in time. But, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not Jurgen Klopp. I'm, I'm sure he will have plenty of ideas that he'll be working on with his coaching team. And the 4 3 one could be one of several um, potential sort of changes he's contemplating. Yeah, I think there's plenty. I think playing the 10, you can play Bobby there. I think I think you can play Diaz there. I think Diaz likes to come inside. You could play Jota on the left and play Diaz as a 10 and then Nunes as a striker. And you just I mean you could do pretty much whatever you want. But like you said, it's getting that it's getting that defensive balance right with Joel Matt coming back and I think who we've definitely missed. Um and then yeah, there's I mean there's just it's difficult because there's so many players out of form like Trent's Trent's nowhere near it. I don't think Andy Robertson, in terms of what they're capable of and what they've shown to us over the, over such a period of time, they are very, very below, much below that. And I think they'll know that. I think obviously I saw the interview with Andy Robertson after the Napoli game, and he was like just basically telling you how it was, and that, that's like exactly what you expect of someone like that. And it's yeah, I mean, we need to get better. And and I think it's one of them. Like if you could pinpoint it as just one thing. You could say, right, all we need to do is do this and it'll be fixed. But there's so many things at play, like you said, the form, injuries, uh, formations. There's so many things to think about that you're trying to like, it's like a sinking ship and there's many holes. You're trying to, you're trying to block the holes, but there's that many stuff that you're trying to figure out what you're doing but as you're going along, which is not something that you associate with Liverpool at the moment. I mean, in recent years, but I mean, injuries... Mate, definitely take a big, like you said, play. I'm not having Thiago, not having Cater, having to play Milner pretty much every week. Uh, Henderson then getting shifted over to the left, which we've never seen before. Then he had to do that. Then he gets injured. Uh, Joe Matip and Canate get injured. And it's like, this is what happened in the season where we, we started really badly and then we ended up finishing third. But I think, like you said, with personnel coming back, that'll definitely, um, I mean, it's got to change. And hopefully with Thiago coming back, that definitely helps us as well. Uh, but Aidan's just put, uh, just thinking with Nunes as the target man and give the high line a miss now for a couple. Uh, a couple of 1-0 wins would be great. Players back as well, which will help. Uh, and then maybe Bobby is as a 10. Um, yeah, definitely. And then Connor's in with a nice one, Connor, for jumping in. Uh, afternoon, lads. For me, the intensity had disappeared, and I think it's understandable when the likes of Fabinho, Luis Diaz, and Robbo have played like fifty plus games for the last few years. Yeah, that I mean that like I mentioned like form injuries and formations, but fatigue comes into that as well, doesn't it? Farrell, like in terms of they went all the way last year, and we could have done something historic. Really, really historic. That would, would have probably never been done again. I don't think. I mean, we got the furthest that anyone, any team has in terms of maybe getting to that point. Um, 
and that definitely has an overhang, doesn't it, in, into the next season. I think we're, I mean, I don't think it's all that, but I think partially that it's it's some of that, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's definitely feeding into this season. I think we'd be absolutely stupid not to sort of consider it, especially if you think 60, 63 games we played across that entire season, across the four competitions, and that is without considering the international commitments of the players we've got on board. I think Salah went up over the 70-game mark, which in a single season is absolutely insane. Like We know, obviously, with Salah, he's, he's in incredible shape. He doesn't drink. His conditioning levels are remarkable. But it's going to take a toll, you know, <laughs> you know, physically, emotionally as well. We, we saw, and I think we really need to think about how Salah's form dipped after the AFCON final loss. You know, there was an emotional toll. There was an, a human side um, that we had to consider in terms of the reality of his form dropping. It didn't, his form didn't just drop off a cliff for the sake of it. You know, there was a link there. There was It was understood that that was the impact of it. And if you think, well, you know, that's had that impact on his game. Can you even imagine the emotional impact it will have on the squad? You know, you, you, you've lost the Champions League by a goal. And that's you've also got to consider the wider context of how fans were treated at that final, you know, horrifically. And then add on top of that, you know, you think, you think you're think you going to win the title. You know that Villa are beating City and then City turn it around with a brilliant team. But we've come so close. And I think I don't want to, I don't want to get a habit of sort of making excuses for this, this Liverpool side, you know, especially that, you know, Klopp has dubbed the mentality monsters, but it's going to, it would affect anyone. And I think it's just a question of, that, amongst other factors, how long, how far into the season that gets solved. This potential break, this potential two-game domestically break, is ultimately very good news for Klopp. Very good news for Klopp, and it's very bad news for the rest of the league, I think, if you look at sort of how United are performing. Um, Arsenal, obviously, top of the table. Only six points between Liverpool and the top of the league, it has to be said, which is ridiculous, uh, given... I think if you'd looked at Liverpool's start, you'd think, my God, we're 10 points behind. We must be. But six points, that's absolutely surmountable. And now you're saying, well, Klopp's going to have a good chunk of time now to work with his players either side of the Champions League game if that still goes ahead and sort things out, welcome men back into the side. That is going to be absolutely massive for Liverpool's season. That's really going to be huge. Yeah, it is. And I think it's something that, yeah, we need to take advantage of, really, and really really drive home what we need to be doing going forward to because I think it's kind of been dribbling on this with the the games we've played like not playing well and obviously there's the Bournemouth game and the Newcastle game where we where we get over the line and that was a like such a euphoric moment because of the way we did it but the performance levels just weren't there and we don't want this to continue to dribble on and it gets to the point where you're like all right top three finishes is the aim then. We don't want that. We want this so, like sorted as soon as we can and um and to move forward. And to be honest, I was gonna go through the game like bit by bit, but I just think that might take too long because we've already took twenty six minutes talking about um <laughs> game moments and Liverpool generally and the, the, the Napoli game generally. But I I do want to talk about um Luis Diaz a little bit and we all know he's been our best player and the best player by a long way in the Napoli game. He was like a man possessed in a similar way that he was in the Palace game when Nunes gets sent off. He's the guy that drags us back into the game, gets a goal and is basically running the show. Um, but, I mean, I've had a, 
few chats with people and a few like WhatsApp group chats about like his impact in terms of. I think he's quite an individual style player in that he'll get the ball, he'll run with it, he'll start from the left, he'll end up on the right, he'll get involved in everything. Um, I, I know he's only been in the country for what eight months, so the fact that he's performing like he is at this stage, I think, is amazing, and we know how influential he's been. But I think some people are thinking in terms of Sadio Mane and the connection with Robertson um, and like as a team working together to make everyone else better. I think that's something he can work on going forwards, I think, anyway, in terms of... I think he takes a lot of touches, but I think that's just the way he is and the way that he is around the box. And I don't think it's something that maybe maybe Sadio Mane did do in his earlier career, but I think he kind of... That lessened as he as he joined Liverpool, and obviously he would be very direct. He would get the ball, Robbo would underlap or he'd underlap or overlap, and there'd be a lot of connection there. And I don't think that synergy with Robertson's quite there yet. But I think it's one of those things that, at the moment, we're happy with it because Liverpool are struggling, and he's someone you can rely on to, for something to happen. But going forward, I think maybe it's something that um, I think if he gets better at that teamwork aspect. In terms of linking with people and Robertson and the midfield and, and especially the front three, I think that will af- positively affect us when we start playing better. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I know. I get exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's it, it, it's interesting about the Robertson point because I remember um, towards I suppose the back end of the last season, obviously Diaz joined in the winter window, and Robertson was already talking about his relationship. Um, with Diaz and said, actually, you know, already, even though there is the language barrier there in place, uh, we've built up a pretty good understanding of, you know, I, I know where he wants the ball to be. I know how he's going to run. Uh, you know, that understanding, that football understanding is very much there and alive already. Um, in terms of obviously how he's been playing this season, I agree, it's certainly more individualistic. But then uh, the, the thing I would say to that is we, we've had a lot of people sort of talking about, um, by a lot of people, of course, I'm referring to your, your Rio Ferdinands, your Peter Crouches of the world, talking about how much Liverpool have desperately missed Sadio Mane. And don't get me wrong, you know, I would rather have Sadio Mane in this Liverpool team than not world-class player. You'd be a moron if you didn't want Sadio Mane in this team. The reality is he isn't here. And the reality is even if he was here, I don't think Liverpool would be winning all these games that they've lost. I don't think Liverpool would have gone, you know, to Napoli and avoided being humiliated in Naples, it, it's not dependent on that sort of left-wing position. I think, obviously, going forward, there will be discussions had with Klopp to address contributions generally and sort of, as you say, because we saw this again with Sergio Mane when he first joined. He was very direct. He was very much that kind of player and eventually got to understand how to work, not just within the front three, but also in terms of supporting the team as a whole. We've seen plenty of times... Salah making runs to the back line to support Trent. Uh, and, you know, he will build up that sort of similar level of understanding of his responsibilities to the team, um, not just simply our attacking efforts over time. He absolutely will. This is his first full season. I think, you know, if we were talking about his second or third and he, he was still doing this, you'd say, well, this is probably isn't the Liverpool way of playing, you know, as, as, as exciting, fantastic it is to watch him on the ball because he is just... He's just our most interesting option um, at the moment. You know, I get, I get excited watching him, and obviously, I think there will come that point, of course, when things click um, on, on a collective level. The time for that isn't at the moment, 
Um, I suppose the question is, of course, is what we're going to do over this 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 break and this break period in football, because um, ultimately the, the, there are going to be conversations had more specifically uh, with other players. You know, your likes of your your, your Trents, your Fabinho's, um, especially if we're going to implement some kind of formation changes. We expect. Yeah, and on, just on the Louis Diaz thing, there's no question in the, the ability and the hard work because there was a time in the Napoli game where he was he was left back, he was he was defending against their winger, and he was further back towards the our goal than Robertson was. <laughs> so there's no doubt in that. But <laughs> I think if in a perfect world that would be something that if he can obviously still keep that raw energy and ability, which he will, and then he kind of merges that into. Like you said, the the teamwork aspect of stuff as well. I mean, with, this is this isn't a perfect world. We're talking about this. This is something that going forward, that would be absolutely. He would be one of the best in the world if that's something that he did. Um, and I'm only talking about this because, I mean, I was going to talk about Van Dijk conceding. There's a stat about Van Dijk um, when 150 matches without giving away a penalty, and he get, he's given away two in his last seven. And I don't really want to talk about that because I, I don't want to depress myself because I've only just got over <laughs> that. It's defeat. almost an anomaly, isn't it? Though, like... yeah. I mean, it's Zambo and Gisa just doing like Cruyff turns two in like two minutes in in, a, in our midfield and just spinning away and running away from everyone. And I, I could talk about that till the cars come home, but. I can't be asked because it's not it's not something that we can look on as a positive and go right. There's a positive. How can we make that positive even better? Because we know what we need to do to going forward. There needs to be a drastic change. I mean, I say we know what we need to do. I've got an idea of what we can do going forward, and I think we've kind of brushed on it, like the four-two-three-one, getting players back into form. And this all sounds easy, and it's not going to be easy to do because I think Robbo mentioned it after the Napoli game. He said it's not an easy fix because if it was an easy fix, we would have already done it by now, and we'd already be back in form. Um, but obviously, uh, Wolves' game has been postponed. The Ajax game might not be. In terms of that, then. Farrell, let's just talk a little bit about that because if that if that does go ahead, what type of team do you see us going with, or what and what type of formation do you see for that one on Tuesday? I'm I'm absolutely sort of it's really tough because I I think in my head in my and I've said this earlier in my head a forty three one just makes sense at this point in time because we know Thiago isn't going to be fit enough to play the full 90, let alone probably like 60 odd minutes. So on that basis, why would you stick to the three in midfield? Or you know, why would you stick to three in midfield and not tell the back line to kind of, you know, drop, drop a few yards when sort of necessary rather than when you know, because I'm going to be looking at that and they're thinking, just do what Napoli did, play a few bowls on the top player, play through them. The midfield's going to be non-existent. You're not playing against the post midfield, you're playing against their back line every single time and you're going to look at sort of Trent ball watching and Van Dijk sort of not being at his best and you're going to you're going to look at that and you're going to think it's going to be so easy you know you're going to think we're going to get so many chances against this Liverpool side so I, I, just that in mind I, I don't know I, I think Klopp is going to have a very serious conversation but I do think how much you're going to get out of that game without a very serious change um, within the team itself, not not just in terms of having an angry conversation with them, because I think again we, we can point to the fatigue from the prior season. I think what's discouraging but also encouraging, if that makes any sense at all, 
is the fact that we are looking at players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho, Van Dijk. Um, we're looking at so like so more than just one player that that's key to Liverpool's system that is that are so horrifically out of form. And the encouraging part of that is you know it's not because they've suddenly gone shit. They're all world class players. You know you can pinpoint that and go ah well if, if there's a load of them and this is happening to this probably isn't them just suddenly becoming worse players than they already are or worse players than we knew them to be when they were out there challenging for a quadruple last season. The reality is it's probably fatigue, probably you know, physical, emotional, whatever. Um, it's probably you know injuries as we've already discussed. I, I think I want to see a 4-2-3-1 against Ajax categorically. Um, whether we will see that from Klopp remains to be seen. But if we're going to stick with a 4-3-3, um, as it's probably more likely to happen that the back line needs to have specific instructions to more flexibility with the high line, shall we say. We cannot stick rigidly. rigidly. I'm not saying throw it away, but we cannot stick rigidly to a high line when we know we're going to get exposed by balls over the top. We know the midfield is going to be potentially non-existent if we're not going to be starting. Um, someone like Thiago, like Klopp said after the game against Napoli, said Liverpool didn't counter-press until Thiago Alcantara came onto the pitch. If you know Liverpool aren't going to counter-press from the midfield, we're talking about something that is a key attribute of a Klopp team. If Liverpool aren't going to counter-press in the middle of the park, why on earth would you tell the back line not to drop a yard or two? It wouldn't make any sense. Liverpool have to do a formation change or they have to alter the rigid application of the high line. There's no two ways about it. If you play the exact same way against Ajax, they'll destroy you. It's as simple as that with the current form. Yeah, isn't it? Wasn't isn't that like an Einstein quote, like doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is like the definition of madness. And I think that's what we've gone into every Liverpool game this season, just seeing the same stuff and the same results, pretty much. Um, but like like you said, the the one that stands out for me in terms of something that needs to change. I know we said energy and application and stuff, but like their second goal, the Zambo and Gisa one, like I tweeted about it yesterday because I saw the clip and I just couldn't believe when you Ball watch watching. it back. Yeah, when you watch it back, I was like, this is like a training um exercise where they've gone, right, we'll just have, we'll set these positions up. You play the one two and we'll just stand there and you do it just so we know what we're doing going forward in terms of a an attacking formation setup or a defensive formation setup. It was like Salah and I don't know, Salah and Diaz were doing that against them in training and they weren't really putting the effort in. And I just like it's stuff like that where you look at Fabinho, should he have should he have trapped it? You see Trent in the middle of the pitcher just stood there. Whether it's his man or not, we don't know. But it's like I think it was the United game, wasn't it, where they play a one two and then they play it back and they score. And it's like that game was like the most after it, the most I've ever questioned the energy and desire of a Liverpool team, under Klopp especially, and I didn't think that would continue. So the fact that we're still seeing signs of that, and I know you can, like you said, the injuries definitely definitely don't help because a Klopp system, in a way, we're reliant on people being fit because it's it's made pe- like perfectly for the personnel who, when they are fit, it's perfect. But when they're not fit, the, the drop in quality... Like having to play thirty-six-year-old James Milner left centre mid for one game against a lower opposition is fine, but when you go into you go into Naples and we haven't had a great result there for ages, and we haven't had a great result there ever. To be fair, um, 
and you're expecting something different. That's that's the problem, isn't it? I think that that needs to change. And I think that obviously comes back to what people have been saying on social media, the people that have been saying, oh, we need a midfielder for ages. I agreed with it, but you can't then legislate for all the injuries, like you rightly said, Farrell. Like if the injuries happen, you can't just stockpile another five midfielders on the off chance Thiago and Kate to get injured. And I know they will get injured. We all know that. But in a, in a perfect world, we would have them as a backup. The, these are the players that Klopp would sign, but we haven't got that capability and we haven't got the wealth and the whatever of other teams in terms of being able to do that. So there's there's a lot of play, isn't it, in terms of what we need to do to fix it. I think I don't think it's an easy fix. Likewise, we can't stockpile five midfielders because five midfielders of the quality that Jurgen Klopp and Julian Ward are looking for don't exist. <laughs> you know, we were looking. This is what annoys me about the midfield debate on on Twitter. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll write an article about it. Uh, my colleague Pete wrote an article about it and got absolutely slaughtered for it online. But the reality is, when you're looking in the market for players of a caliber like Aurelian Chouameni and Jude Bellingham, players of and around that quality that are of the age Liverpool want, that are, you know, of, of a contract length that Liverpool can afford to to buy them, that critically that the players have the right character and they want to come. It's a it's a realistic transfer as far as Liverpool's recruitment team are concerned, are in, incredibly short supply. You're, you're looking at it. It's a very, very small pool Liverpool looking at. And that's a good thing because Liverpool only want players that are going to genuinely improve the squad. Liverpool could have could have completed deals uh, for, for players like Yves, Yves Basuma from Brighton, um, like, like Calvin Phillips at City have gone. They've actively acknowledged those deals would have been relatively easy to complete. They didn't complete them because they wanted a calibre of midfielder above that. And this is what a lot of people just don't seem to understand on Twitter specifically, Liverpool could get these midfielders, but then Liverpool suddenly don't keep winning trophies on a regular basis, don't remain as competitive as Manchester City on the basis. And then questions go, then questions will turn to the recruitment and go, why have you brought this player who's perfectly good, but not, you know, elite world class? Well, this is what we're waiting for ultimately. It, it, look, it, it's annoying, and I've written about this so many times, about Liverpool needing midfielder, Liverpool needing midfielder, but Liverpool needing midfielder and Liverpool being able to get the midfielder they want are two very, very different things. We didn't get too many. We lost out to Real Madrid. We lost out to literally the club that won the Champions League. Um, Liverpool want Jude Bellingham, but Borussia Dortmund rightly don't want to sell him because they sold Erling Haaland to Manchester City this summer. It's frustrating, and I completely understand the frustrations, but I'd rather see Liverpool not get a midfielder, not get a okay or a good midfielder and get an elite midfielder the next summer that fits the way the club want to develop going forward. Liverpool waited for the right man previously. Liverpool didn't sign a defender before Van Dijk because they knew they wanted Van Dijk and they got Van Dijk. And since then, Van Dijk's been lauded as easily the best centre-half in the Premier League, in world football, rightly so. Liverpool tend to get their man. We missed out on this occasion to Real Madrid. Um, it's, I mean, I could go on this for ages. The reality of the matter is that we are waiting for injuries. That is just end of discussion. Liverpool should have brought in an alternative to Thiago, knowing how injury prone he was. I'm certain they've looked, you know, that the, the shortlist is extensive, but they ultimately didn't find someone who fit that category. They brought in Artemella on loan, who does a similar job, isn't quite identical. But, you know, we've seen comparisons, I think 
Messi sort of compared him to Xavi when he first joined Barcelona. Obviously, it's been a far cry in terms of those performances. Massimiliano Allegri completely dumped him, didn't want him in his Juventus team. But, you know, Liverpool have agreed an option to buy him. So clearly they must see something in him to, to have engaged in that deal late in the window, 26 years of age. He's just turned 26 years of age, so he's just off that sort of ideal kind of 20 to 25 year old sort of category, age category of players that Liverpool tend to go for. It's a gamble, but we just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, and it's sometimes a bit like you like you've rightly perfectly summarised. It it can be a vicious circle because if you read social media, people want people want anyone because they want to fill the void of what we need, and it's like well. That's fine, and like you rightly said, Klopp has acknowledged that he can go and make deals quite easily. There's players that he can go and get that are attainable, but it is it's the wrong choice for the long term fit. He doesn't do short term fits. I think with the sooner you get that in there, then you can go right. I've got a bit more patience now, and that's kind of where I know me and you obviously see that similarly. And I know there's a lot of people in obviously in the chat that will be watching and listening to this that are of a similar opinion, but there's a lot that don't don't get that which is like you're only frustrating yourself because like we can all we can all say we need this midfielder we need that midfielder go and get them but then Klopp will just go well they that them two don't fit and like you said there's a very small pool of what he picks especially for transfers but then especially if you then drop them down to loan the the pool for loans that's even lesser because obviously People aren't going to go, oh, yeah, you can have Jude Bellingham for six months to cover your injury crisis. Yeah, so I'll just give us him back in the end of the season. Could you imagine? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, these conversations keep happening and I understand them. I understand the frustration, but it's a bit more layered. And yeah, Klopp's way of doing things is done, <laughs> hasn't done us any harm so far this season. It's not done us, I mean, we're still only, what, six points off top. Last season we played six games. Last season we played six games. We were top of the league. Actually, we were on we were on fourteen points, um, so we're only five points off that. And when you consider the grand scheme of things, how how shit we've been this year. Let's not get that wrong. We have been very very poor. Could be so much worse. It could have been so much worse. It could have been, but the, the standards of Liverpool and then the standards we've been, it's not even it's not even near close. How. And I suppose you can look that you can look at that in a bad way, like how everyone's declining, or you can look at it in a way like you said before. People, loads of people that are out of form, injuries have happened. They're coming back. We can only get better. And I keep I keep mentioning the D Ream song. Things can only get better. They need to like sponsor this show. So I've I've mentioned it like three times on different shows. So if, they, if they're listening, if you're listening, if you're listening. <laughs> I mean, you might be. I might tag it in the tweet, to be fair, so you do, so you do listen. Uh, drop us a sponsor there. Drop us some money. Give us 100 quid. Why not? Uh, but yeah, Aiden's put his team in for Ajax, and he says, uh, Alison Gomez, Matip Van Dijk, Simikas, Arthur. Is it Arthur or Arthur? I just like Arthur because of the cartoon. I'm going with Arthur. Arthur, Arthur, Thiago, Elliot, Jota, Diaz, Nunes, um, 43-1 for me, Trent Salini dropping for a game, uh, and so does Fabinho. Um, yeah, do you want to just give quick thoughts on that potentially, Farrell, for the, the potential? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think if if Arthur was fully match fit, Thiago was, was, was fully fit, um, and we knew that we could trust Arthur on a regular basis. We've been impressed by his performances. Then, potential. I, I think I'd argue if you're going to play a double pivot, I think Arthur and Thiago are probably 
I mean, they're not identical, and I really, really want to stress that, but I think they're probably vaguely too similar to play in a 4-2-3-1. I could, I could be proven wrong on that, I think, as well. You, you, you'd play Fabinho, you'd play Fabinho next to Thiago, you'd play Fabinho next, next to Arta. Gomez, I could, I, could see, I could see Trent being dropped for Gomez. We know Gomez has actually performed quite well in that sort of right-back spot, and you know, if Klopp is looking for a bit more sort of defensive solidity uh, against Ajax again, if that game will go ahead then that's one I could see. I think Matip will, at the very least, come in um, for Gomez in the, in the centre-half position. Robert Robertson will keep his spot. I think it will be Fabinho. And I think it will be, well, depending on if he plays the 4-2-3. Well, again, this is, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole, do you know what I mean? Whether he's going to play the 4-2-3 or the 4-2-3-1. In terms of what I would play, I, I would play the 4-2-3-1. Fabinho, Elliot, and that sort of double pivot. Firmino in the hole. Diaz and Salon and Effin and Nunez uh, right up top because I think it really makes the most of the options we do have available. We've got plenty of forward options. We're a bit in short supply in midfield. Tiago just coming back from injury. We know Artemelo isn't fully match fit, just got some minutes against Napoli. That makes sense to me. Um, we'll probably end up playing the 4 3 anyway, uh, in which case it's probably going to be service as, as, uh, as normal. Uh, what, what do you think? I mean, yeah... <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, <laughs> I honestly don't know, Farrell, because I've, I've wanted to. I want to go four two three one, but I don't think Klopp will for the Ajax game. Yeah, I, I don't think he will either. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, let's see if the Ajax game goes ahead. Then we'll obviously I'll talk about it. But I just don't. I honestly don't know at the minute. It's good that we've got options, but I think the options need to be right for us going uh, for. But yeah, we've done. I don't want to take more of your time, Farrell, because we've done 50 minutes there and that's uh, that's surprising because I thought we'd only do about 20, but so we've done 50, so we've we've treated you to loads more there. Uh, and a lot to get off our chests. I feel, we did. Feel, feel, <laughs> farther, I feel better. I feel better. I feel lighter. Uh, but yeah, nice one. There's been loads of comments. Nice one, everyone, for um, for get, dropping your thoughts in. A nice one, Farrell, for jumping on. Empire of the Cops, Farrell, Keeler, if you want to go and check them out. And I know Farrell does a lot of good work like the the uh, article you mentioned before which was very good um and loads of other good stuff on there but yeah if you are watching on youtube whether you're watching live now or you want you're watching later in the day then yeah do drop us a like and subscribe we are getting very close to one and a half k subs which is not loads but for a small channel that doesn't post as often enough as we should it's, it's okay um but that we really appreciate that if you're listening on whatever you prefer spotify uh apple podcasts or deezer or there's there's fucking loads isn't it whatever you're listening on and uh, drop us a follow on there and if you're on if you're on apple leave us a review or and give us a rating if you if you're really feeling generous we'd really appreciate that uh, but yeah nice one again to farrell nice one to everyone in the comments and uh yeah we'll see you all very soon Podcast Network.